You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. If you were a teenager in the 1980s or 1990s, you probably remember that German brand MCM was one of the IT brands of the times. It was founded in 1976 and named after its founder Michael Cromer in Munich, Germany. At the peak of its popularity, MCM bags were seen on celebrity icons such as Diana Ross and Cindy Crawford. It was also a fixture in hip-hop subcultures. At one point, MCM had more than 250 stores worldwide. After being mired in financial troubles within the company, the brand eventually fell out of favor in the early 2000s before making a comeback in the 2010s, having been bought by South Korean company Sungju Group. Today, MCM is now a cult classic among some of today's hottest celebrities, rappers, musicians, and athletes, including Beyonce, Justin Bieber, Billie Eilish, Cristiano Ronaldo, and more. My guest today on The Luxury Item is Dirk Schoenberger, Global Chief Creative Officer at German luxury travel goods and accessories brand MCM. Dirk joined MCM in 2018 after coming from his era-defining role as creative director at Adidas, where he oversaw groundbreaking collaborations with Rick Owens, Opening Ceremony, Y3, and with celebrities such as Lionel Messi, Pharrell Williams, and Kanye West, just to name a few, thus becoming a pioneer in the merging of luxury fashion and sportswear. Now in his position at MCM, Dirk has been developing product design, brand experience, and leading global strategies to create a united creative image for the Heritage European Luxury Leather Label. Welcome to The Luxury Item, Dirk. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. You know, so before you took your current role, what were your feelings on MCM? You know, being born in Germany, do you already have a sense of the connection with this brand? I had a connection uh, uh, with MCM before. I mean, uh, of course, when I was a kid or a teenager, the brand was pretty present in, in Germany. So, and, um, but then I also lost track of it. And I, I, um, I noted it again when uh, Sung Jo Kim bought it in the, in the early 2000s. And uh, there was a store in Berlin opening and it became much more visible again in Europe as well. Uh, because in between that, I really didn't know if it was still existing and uh, other brands became um, much more important in a certain way in the 90s. Uh, so I lost track of it. So for me, the feeling I always had with, with, with MCM when I was, was a teenager, Oh, it's this Munich brand, you know, right. like I, I come from Cologne. So Cologne and Munich in Germany are very different, uh, different cities, one very industrial and the other one um, uh, also slightly industrial. But in the first place, it was rich. So I thought like, oh, one of those brands from Munich. And uh, when, when I joined MCM, it was a complete different story for me to really look into the this hedonistic feel of of the early days of of uh, MCM, and then also the, the when Mrs. Kim uh, took it over, how it changed and how how it evolved to what it is today. Yeah, and when you left your post as creative director at Adidas, where you were the driving force behind some of the most era-defining collaborations to join MCM in 2018 as global uh, creative officer. What attracted you about a heritage brand like MCM 
that made it an exciting opportunity for you? I mean, for me, Adidas was also a heritage brand in, in a certain way. Right. So there was this history. And, uh, and when I joined Adidas, I felt really, uh, I was a little bit tired of fashion. You know, I wanted to, to work for a company that was really relevant on the street as well. And, and to really uh, play with this high, high and lows to, to uh, Adidas had, of course, the collaborations with Yoshi Yamamoto and, and Stella McCartney already uh, going on. Mm -hmm. But the ones that we added during my time there um, um, were really playing with this super luxury versus very street uh, savvy uh, brand. And so for me, um, after being eight years at, at Adidas, it, it felt like I need to go back into fashion, into this really super emotional elitist world in a, in, in a way of fashion. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just felt uh, uh, my, my passion was back for, for it. So, um, and that's why ultimately uh, when I started the conversations with uh, Sung Jo Kim about joining MCM, I got really excited about yeah. it. And while MCM is clearly a heritage brand with its roots in the late 1970s Munich, as yeah. we were just talking about, it seemed to have lost its historical cachet through each passing mm. decade. You said in an article, there was almost something schizophrenic about it. When you came on board MCM, you weren't really resuscitating a dormant sleeping beauty brand. Perhaps you were kind of right setting it. What's, what's your, your take on what happened with the MCM brand over the years? Uh, you know what? What fascinated me about it is that uh, the the, schizo the schizophrenic remark came really from uh, from this uh, split personality of of the of the early uh, late seventies, um, the early days of MCM, the late seventies in Munich, which was about glamour and hedonism and uh, and luxury and uh, and then. Uh, throughout the decades, it really evolved, you know, like it was in, in the 80s, there was this phase where you could see all these images of, of dynasty, for example, featuring it in, in America, and then right. hip hop, hip hop, early hip hop rap uh, stars have embraced it as well. And then uh, with this, and then the 90s were a little bit of a, of a more quiet uh, period for MCM. But then um, when Mrs. Kim bought it, 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 it started to go into this Asian culture. So there was this, there were, um, I always say it's like a plane and you the, the journey started in Munich and then it touched down briefly in America and then it touched down in Korea. And, and, and then this whole idea of this Munich, that's why I'm, one of my first collections for MCM was about Munich disco and Berlin techno, basically, right. and everything that was in between um, because it it embodies all these different influences, and and I think that they were not um, they 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 needed to be uh, worked out a little bit more clear in a, in a way to the uh, because this music influence that it was always so connected to music, but then also the German culture, which has a um, very cliche like like very architectural, very Bauhaus, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm -hmm. but then also very hedonistic in, 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 in the way that, that MCM was born. But then also the Asian culture coming in and pop culture in general, those two things, they, they created a friction, which I thought was uh, super interesting. So, and, and I'm, I'm just, 
uh, working in a very evolutionary way, uh, um, trying to bring those culture, uh, bring these cultures together and, and, and try to create something uh, unique. Because in the end, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of lux Italian luxury brands or French luxury brands, but uh, there is, uh, MCM is so influenced by different cultures that mm -hmm. you could not, I don't want to say it's a German brand. It was, yes, it was born in Germany, but it's not a German brand and it's not an Asian brand neither. So um, that's what I think is, is, is a great challenge, but also super interesting. Yeah. So like you were saying right out of the gate, you know, you were playing the heritage card with the from Munich disco yeah. to Berlin techno. Yeah. So, you know, what was the message, you know, that what was the brand philosophy that you wanted to communicate to the world? Well, that it's a, that it's a, um, it's still a brand about youth. It might be a luxury brand, but it's, it's still influenced by youth culture and by youth and by youth movements and by music. And uh, like, I wanted to, tap into this energy that that disco had in the 70s yes it was a little bit cheesy but still it had had this extremely life embracing energy and you, even though you could argue if techno has the same life embracing <laughs> energy but it still is um <clears throat> it gives when when i'm going to to uh, to a techno club i mean the energy i get from that is enormous and the influ the inspiration i get from the music but also from the people there is is enormous there is this uh culture around techno there's this culture around rap music there's this culture around music in general that i think is extremely uh, inspiring and, and energetic and this is what mcm is about yeah this, this energy of of life embracing and life affirming in a way and one of the first moves after you took the helm of the label was featuring chart-topping teenage pop star Billie Eilish as the face of MCM's fall-winter 2019 campaign, your first campaign yeah. with the brand. And Billie Eilish has been the ultimate poster girl for her generation. What did you see in Billie Eilish and her appeal that you felt meshed with MCM and the collection? At that time, it was definitely... Uh early days <laughs> for, both for me and and both for me at MCM and also for for Billie Eilish so I I re, you know honestly uh for me uh, the decision to work uh with Billie Eilish then was I heard her music and I was really so uh although of course it's not really targeted at, at uh, people my age mm -hmm. but I felt that there is something that I hadn't heard like this before and it's been a while that I've been like so blown away by by uh, a musician um, because it was so unique and it had again it had the, a, an energy that I haven't hadn't felt in pop music for so long mm -hmm. and for that reason I felt like oh I, I really want to work with her I mean uh, um, and um, yeah I, I mean, honestly, uh, she is, she became within two, three years, of course, with all the work she's done before, of course, but right. uh, she became the biggest pop star in the world. Yeah. Was she familiar with MCM uh, when you first met her? 
yes, a little bit because we've um, uh, at that time we had uh, made a backpack with loudspeakers and uh, <laughs> the whisper, and uh, we had sent her one, and she was really she was posting it on Instagram and 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 was uh, super thrilled about it, and and then um, that's how basically also this whole I had heard her music before. And then I then we talked uh, with marketing, uh, and I thought like this is uh, would be great uh, to work with her. And luckily, she said yes. And not too long ago, after your debut collection dropped in stores and online, the pandemic hit, and the importance of yeah. digital for the luxury sector catalyzed further. Was MCM prepared to operate completely online? Well, honestly, um, at when the uh, when the pandemic hit, we were hit. Uh, but I, I have to say the team had switched it over within really weeks uh, to, um, we, of course, we had an e-com business. But of course, uh, once all the stores were closed globally, uh, we needed to shift the business from, from uh, brick and mortar into, into digital. And the team did an amazing job. Basically, also the crisis, yes, it hit us, hit us like everyone else. But um it's been really, um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's been a soft hit, to be very honest. And, yeah. and I think that, um, so we've, we've really changed. Uh, we've really went into all social media channels much deeper than we were before. Mm-hmm. We used them before, but then we really went, produced the stories really uh, not thinking about print campaigns anymore, but we thought about it in uh, in a digital format. Um, we've been producing much more moving images than uh, still images since then. It's really it's really changed our th- way of thinking, because basically, eventually, it, it had to happen anyway. You know, we know that yeah. um, that the digital space is so important. Uh, having said that, I still believe that brick and mortar and 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 physical stores are also a place of experience. Uh, where you experience the brand, where you can really touch it. And I think for that reason, I still believe that uh, brick and mortar and, and, and physical stores will not will not die. They will continue to exist because people love the analog in, in this digital world. And during the height of the pandemic, the fashion industry used that quiet time to lament its operating practices and kind of rethink mm. the status quo. What, what did you do? Well, yeah, we did as well. I think that if you see, uh, if you look around in the past weeks and, and months with the uh, fashion weeks being again in full swing, you wonder where all the thinking, uh, what happened to all the thinking. I mean, for us, it's definitely still uh, uh, sustainability uh, has become one of one of the driving forces for us as a company, really rethinking what materials do we use? How how uh, disposable, seasonal do we really want to be, or do we want to tell an evolutionary story of uh, um, that brings more midterm or long term value to what we are what we are selling? Because I mean, everything we do is is not cheap. You know, it's it's uh, luxury products, and right. and I. And I think that the whole machine of consuming, which uh, needs to be rethought as well. And and we've done a lot of this. We've done, we started, and I can tell you, it's not 
it's not easy uh, for any brand uh, to switch from from a um, to switch in a, a lot of things into a sustainable brand. You know, yeah. uh, material. It starts with materials, but uh, also with all the shipping and all, everything. So we we are really in a process now to to push this, um, and um, yeah. I think the luxury and the fashion industry is uh, um, is still so important and so valuable and, and creates so much emotion uh, for consumers. But we also also need to be aware that this uh, this endless and ex- extreme consumerism is also something we need to we need to be a little bit more conscious. Yeah, you tapped multi-platinum recording artist Ian Dior to front this spring-summer 2022 yeah. campaign. Can you talk about the new collection and how did that partnership with Ian Dior mm. come about? Well, with Ian, it, it's very similar to, to Billy. So we've been re- I've been really listening to uh, a lot of young artists because I, uh, of course, you can... Uh, um, have great big artists and uh, spend a lot of money and have this super famous people. But I, I still believe in more upcoming talents. And, and I liked, I liked his attitude as well. You know, like it was also, we were really thinking uh, about uh, for the spring summer 22 collection, we were really thinking after being for almost two years or one year, one and a half years in this pandemic and this lockdown. And uh, a lot of us, of course, like you probably as well, were sitting at home working and we didn't have so much social contact. So the idea of this was to create like this happy place, like I called it the happy topia in a a certain (laughs) way. Um, And we wanted to create something really upbeat and positive and young and 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 fun and uh it worked extremely well with him um i think that he's he's a very uh, super strong young uh, artist and uh and again a very popular artist uh, as well and uh, so for for me it was uh after really looking at uh, a few others um uh, he was the perfect choice for us yeah, and it seems to be a pattern. So is MCM's strategy to collaborate, you know, with the new guard of cultural pioneers in fashion and music and entertainment or other creative disciplines who are really resonating with today's youth culture? Yes, absolutely. Um, because I, in the end, of course, we, we know that maybe a teenager doesn't have the money necessarily to walk into a luxury store and buy whatever uh, she or he likes. Um, but uh, the energy that uh, uh, the Gen Z and the millennials create is also always aspiring for for older uh, generations. Because I mean, I I don't want to, I don't look like my father looked when he right. was my age, right. and so I I, I don't want to lose touch. And so. Um, the influence, uh, I don't want to dress myself as a teenage consumer, is extremely important uh, also for an older consumer. Um, so this is really, um, yeah, that's why for, for us, it's important to stay connected to, to young cultural pioneers. Yeah, and you said once that MCM brand has a keen eye for innovation and the needs and expectations 
of the modern millennials and Gen Z consumers, what do you think yeah. is the most important for any luxury brand to understand about Gen Z customers? Yeah, well, it's um, to listen to them, probably to to look what they're doing, to look what they like and to listen to them. Uh, that's the it's it sounds really banal, but yeah. it is like this. Uh, uh, I mean, I have a lot of Gen Z nephews, kids of friends, and I'm sitting down with them and I'm asking them, what are you listening to? I mean, I know, I don't know many of the music that they listen to. Uh, they don't want to hear the music that I'm listening to neither, but, uh, but I, I want to hear from them. What, what, what is their concern and, and, and what is their, what, what are they passionate about? What do they like? What do they hate? And and to stay in contact and and talk to uh, talk to people is is essential because otherwise you're sitting really in an ivory tower. And uh, I uh, I learned that maybe at Adidas to to have these conversations uh, mm -hmm. before. Maybe I also didn't have them so much, but. Uh, uh, extremely beneficial, extremely inspiring, and. Um, they always trigger an idea with me that is, uh, um, and that keeps me on my toes and awake and interested in what's going on. So for 44 years, the MCM brand had one iconic signature logo, the laurel leafed cognac yeah. cassettos. Last year to celebrate MCM's 45th anniversary, you unveiled two new logo designs to complement the Facetto print, one was a vintage monogram and the other a geometric interpretation of the classic logo, the cubic monogram, and both launched with respective collections. Can you talk about these two collections and kind of share how these moves are part of the brand blueprint? Yeah, it was really, I was, um, they were born, uh, from a conversation I had with uh, with uh, Sung Jo Kim, the owner of the brand, and um, you know, I love the cognac Vicetto because I'm, uh, of course, I'm, I'm with the brand now for for um, three and a half years, um, and I still I still love it. If you, of course, if you have seen it very often, you probably um, want to innovate around it. So what what we've done is to to take it a little bit to to a different level, you know, like this um, this leather feel that the cognac Vicetto had. We we wanted to do something that is a little bit younger and maybe also slightly more casual luxury than um, than uh, than like super fine refined luxury. So we wanted to do something younger, and so we we started developing the idea of the of the vintage looking um Vicetto. and um yeah and it's uh it's been it's been a great journey uh with it because of course uh, this is already uh now i'm i think i'm working with it now the third season mm -hmm. and we always still push it further and we still develop new new textures with it so i i think that this was a great step in between in between uh the the, the cubic monogram and the classic cognac Vicetto. so and i wanted to do something that is completely uh walking away from the old touch and feel and 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 graphic uh 
and that's why we came to this this idea of 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 the repeat to to create something that that has a um, has a tech feel about it, like a much mm -hmm. younger uh, uh, approach. And and then we we um, I was starting to think about the the, the um, uh, artist M C Escher, which uh, as a kid right. you know it because it of looks the, like that right all this in yeah uh, this in infinite the infinity and the perspective and and sometimes i'm looking at the logo and all of a sudden everything turns upside down and you don't know anymore <laughs> if you don't see the usual cube anymore but you see it uh also when you color the letters differently so for me it was really a nice experiment and uh, and of course this is something that is totally shocking for our classic consumer yeah. you know like they are drawn to it well, I was going to ask you what, what what has been the reaction from your longtime customers. Yes, they love it. They love it, um, but very often they walk out with a cognac risotto bag. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> because it's it's something so new, I think they need to get used to it. it it's not going away. We're going to continue to work with it. We also uh, went super with super strong graphic colors. Now we are also in the third season, working in the third season. So we go more texture, more different yarns. So to highlight a few letters, but go much more monochrome, for example. So we are experimenting as well with this, but I, I think it's very cool. It's uh, um, people are a little bit in the first, but they are drawn to it, you know? And yeah. I think that this is where the potential is. And, and definitely it also shows the brand is not standing still. We're also right. neglecting and walking away. We don't walk away from the Cognac Vizetto, but uh, we are also, we, we want to move forward. Yeah, and part of the 45th anniversary celebration last year, you launched a mixed reality retail experience called MCM yes. Metaverse. Yes. It's like a branded metaverse experience presented in an offline pop-up store. What was this venture about? Well, I mean, what we what we are doing, we started actually um, also in the pandemic. We started with uh, shooting a, a campaign completely virtual uh, with CGI. We created a virtual world. We 3D scanned the models. And so we could really build put them in any landscape we wanted to create and uh, also could do uh, could uh, make videos really going around the models uh, in a virtual space. So that was the first thing that we've done, which was super fascinating. And, um, and then from there, we really, um, we really built uh, um, more and more of it. And the latest is really, um, what uh, you can see on the MCM uh, US site, um, it's uh, it's this idea that you, as a, with your avatar, can walk around uh, a virtual space, a virtual city. You can go and dress yourself in MCM. You can interact and and so on and so on. And and for us, this is really something uh, extremely interesting as well because. Um, um, like the, we 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 want to start building a community uh, that is uh, like rent a little bit, you know, like a global community that can be Asian, can be German, can be American, can be from wherever, uh, and we want to create a space for them where they can meet and interact. This is my would be my ultimate goal. They can shop there as well, but I think for me, 
the cultural exchange, uh, maybe having even pop stars uh, performing there, or uh, you can you you know like the, the the options are endless. You don't need to travel anymore to come together. And and I want to create this cultural movement in a certain way uh, within the brand in the virtual space, and then also give them the opportunity uh, in the future maybe to meet together in one place in the physical world. So, I mean, to answer my question, last month, virtual reality platform Decentraland launched this metaverse yeah. fashion week where brands yeah. showcased new clothing collections in the metaverse. It was essentially, you know, to test brands and consumers' appetite for digital fashion. What is MCM's appetite for digital fashion? Well, it's uh, it's definitely happening. Already in, in, in Korea on the Zepetto platform, we did... Uh, like still very naive uh, a way of um, uh, introducing um, MCM ready to wear and accessories, um, but it's it's happening. I mean, also the uh, the whole NFT business. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we are working on that. Uh, we have a few things out in Korea. We are testing it there. Uh, so there is there is really um, uh, we are in the middle of re- uh, really pushing this. Uh, uh, forward as well for us because it might be really that uh, in the future um, maybe we dress more our avatars than we dress ourselves right and you said you wanted to create a total brand look for mcm you've already introduced a robust expanded range of footwear and ready to wear that caters mm-hmm. to its evolving audience you obviously bring a ton of learning about footwear to mcm so do you plan yeah. in leaning heavier into footwear and grow it into a more formidable chunk of MCM's overall business? Yes, absolutely. I think it's uh, um, that the shoes uh, are, of course, when, when, when you are a leather goods brand, when this is where it started, I think that shoes is, is the next, next logical big step for, for a brand like ours. And mm-hmm. we've been, uh, we've been really uh, we've had a very small collection for a long time, but now from the uh, autumn winter 22 collection onwards, we are really building a much bigger, uh, much more complete uh, look uh, because we were very focused on sneakers before. We add a lot of leather shoes now, uh, also a few female silhouettes, although not like super sexy high heels, uh, but, but much more female silhouettes still. So uh, for, for me, this, is, an, uh, this is, is a big business that we need to, uh, that, uh, that we are going to uh, address now. Yeah, and MCM recently ventured into the fragrance world with its first ever perfume. What yes. does the MCM brand actually smell like? <laughs> um, well, I, um, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, uh, it smells gender fluid, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, it's really the first the first um, uh, perfume that we put out is uh, it starts very female, and the longer you ha- uh, you have it on your skin, it really becomes very unisex. And mm-hmm. um, and there have been examples in the past where where female perfumes became male perfumes all of a sudden. And, and we wanted to have like this ambiguous feel about what is it? Is it, is it a women's, is it a man's perfume? So we, we are really, um, the first one was really this, had this extremely gender fluid unisex uh, approach. Um, 
And the second one that will uh, that we will uh, uh, that will come now uh, this summer. Um, is really much more female driven, very clearly. But our first one was definitely, uh, and then from there on, of course, we built, there will be a male version, et cetera, et cetera. So we are really building a, a, a full fragrance collection. Do you think that'll expand to other beauty products? I hope so, because I think that uh, there is a lot to explore still. I mean, uh, and again, being being a brand between uh, the continents, basically, uh, you, we could always look into uh, K-Beauty and and uh, this amazing products that uh, companies are producing in Korea. We might be working in, in Europe or in America with, with companies, but uh, there, for me, there's a lot of, lots of opportunities. It wasn't too long ago that about 60% of MCM's business was in Asia with the rest in Europe and Middle East and the Americas. Where does that stand today? And what are your expansion plans? The business is still very Asian driven, but I also am uh, super happy that we were, we've built an amazing American uh, business in America in, in, in the past two or three years. It's, it's really been exploding and also, uh, the, the European business is growing uh, really, really well. I'm super happy with it, uh, that it becomes really a truly globally acknowledged brand. So um, still, Asia is, our, is, is, is the main focus. It's the main focus for, for all luxury brands, uh, of course, with China, with Korea being super strong, but also Southeast Asia. It's, it's really... Um, it's really uh, an, it's super interesting market. As I said, I'm happy that we are not only depending on the Asian uh, uh, market, but uh, that we've really grown uh, extremely well in America and also really, really well in, in, in Europe. The MCM website outlines its sustainability goals and your vision to become yeah. creative leaders in sustainable luxury. What, is, what yeah. sustainable practices is the company doing to reach this goal? Yeah, I mean, of course, like every fashion company, how you start with uh, what materials you use and how you produce, and that that is definitely the, the first uh, thing to to address, and uh, and that's what we've been working on. We've we've switched a lot of materials to either recycled materials or we've been. Uh, eco nylons, uh, recycled nylons, uh, biodegradable nylons, you know, like all these things that we are looking into that are making the, the majority, of course, of, of, of our business. Um, there are a few other things that we are working on. For me, really, the biggest project is how to make our main material, uh, the cognac vistetos, the vistetto material, um, um, very sustainable and and uh, it looks like with our partners we've uh, really found a good solution and so we will have more news about that uh, pretty soon would you ever think about looking into like sustainable vegan leather alternatives yes we are also looking into that um for us it's it's very important that uh, the, the quality is uh, still has the quality of a of a luxury uh, uh, product. Um, so for for me, uh, very often I like the idea of of a material, but then we 
make a sample from it and it's not it's not really uh, we found now uh, a few uh, vegan options or or uh, laboratory driven options for 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 vegan leathers that are very uh, interesting and mm -hmm. they are we are getting there uh, there will be five years uh, um, the developments will be amazing that we will have when it comes to vegan leathers but in the past years it, it there was always real compromise and you know and ultimately the the artificial leathers if you do night pu pvc or something is for me not then the alternative to real leather you know that's a little bit my that's a little bit my concern because you you exchange maybe the uh, something into a vegan option but then you create a man-made material that is probably more harmful for for nature and and this is something where we uh where, that's why that's why I'm, i'm i'm really trying to work uh to get a very quick solution uh for all these materials that uh, we still have and other luxury brands have as well in their collections uh, uh to become more sustainable so what can we expect from mcm in 2022 that you can share well what can you expect i mean <laughs> um we um uh what, what i think is really great is that um um this weekend uh, while we are talking uh um we are participating in coachella um uh, and in, with an event uh which again brings the brand together with uh uh with our consumers and with also with a very influential cultural Uh, music leaders right. and uh, which I think is 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 amazing uh, for the brand. What are they doing um, at Coachella? What is the brand doing? Are they um, sponsoring? Uh, we 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 are basically uh, there to um, with with a media partner. We are um, hosting an evening uh, mm -hmm. where we really um, it's it's a party. It's uh, it's a get together. Um, Uh, where we also uh, definitely will uh, have some product um, uh, being shown uh, from our side. But in the first place, it's really a get together, uh, really bringing also our um, collaboration partners like, like Ian will be there. We'll have Peggy Goo playing uh, music at the party who uh, was an early, early collaborator uh, when I just joined the brand. So there, there, are, there are friends of the brand coming together, which, which I think is super cool. Uh, I wish I could be there. <laughs> I can't, unfortunately, um, because it's really again what I what I said earlier. I think it's also time to, in in these difficult times uh, that we've been through in the past two years with with the being locked up, having very little social contacts and uh, and of course with the war going on in in our in in, in europe um, it's also time to to embrace life again and i think that this is something really uh important as well you know we we can't for, forget living we will uh we are about to open new stores in tokyo and and in shanghai uh, uh hopefully there the pandemic uh uh will also be over very soon. Um, and then 
yeah, I'm, I'm super proud of the Autumn Winter 22 collection because it's been like after the, after the where, where we really uh, were very clever and be very made very focused collections in in the past uh, one and a half years. The the Autumn Winter collection is is really like also expanding. You know, like it's like I said earlier, we are building a bigger shoe. Uh, really got the ready to wear. We've we've been also looking much more into uh, leather bags again to expand that uh, that um, um, part of our collection next to our uh, um, Cognac Vissetto to really give the brand this luxury touch and feel that is important. So Dirk, my final question, which is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only yeah. have one luxury item with you, what would that one luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation, water transportation, <laughs> or anything that requires mobile service. It's just you, a lot of palm trees, sand surrounded 360 degrees by miles and miles of ocean. What would that one luxury item you would like to have with you? Mm, that's very difficult because it would be pen and paper. So that would be two. Uh... <laughs> I'll count that as one. I'll, I'll, I'll make the exception here. Yeah. Okay. That would be my luxury item. I mean, I, I, when you, while you were talking, I thought like maybe a book, but th then what book, you know, like it would be, uh, it would need to be a long book. So I would not <laughs> get bored reading it all over again and again, uh, but pen and paper. That's a good one. Would, Dirk yeah. Schoenberger, Global Chief Creative Officer at MCM. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.